0: Welcome to another podcast of Risen, a Disciple-Making Fellowship. I'm glad you joined us today. Today, I want to kind of just go back over the gospel, I want to go back over the commission that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to us as believers and just to make sure that we continue growing in our understanding of not only the call of Jesus Christ in our life, but the command that he has for us. The call of course is to accept Christ and his sacrifice for our forgiveness and the command is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And just as a refresher, let's think back again to the great commission in Matthew chapter 28 Where Jesus says to all the disciples, he said, go and make disciples, make disciples. And he said it by giving you a little formula, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And he gave us the great promise "And I will be with you to the end of the age. So when we break that down, we are to go to make disciples, and we do that first by baptizing people. That's by introducing them to Christ. And we've done a lot over these podcasts and videos to kind of help people be encouraged about entering into gospel conversations Uh, we've done the three circles presentation that you can watch the video we talked about the gospel taking it to the streets and some people have misinterpreted that all we're talking about is just to believe in christ and everything is fine with your life and it isn't but what we're talking about is the transformational process that god is wanting to happen in people's lives you see god isn't working in our life to reform us to becoming better people to be conformed to just a certain behavior and lifestyle. God is taking us who are dead in our trespasses, and he's transforming us from being dead in our trespasses to becoming alive through the quickening of the Holy Spirit. You know, for somebody to be able to run a race, uh, there has a process that has to be followed. They have to, before they know how to run, they have to learn how to walk, and before they learn how to walk, they have to learn how to crawl. And before they learn how to crawl, they have to learn how to sit up. And before they know how to sit up, they have to learn how to roll over. And it's a process after being born that they go through in learning and training our bodies to be able to do those things. And it's similar in our spiritual life. We're born again not by anything that we did, but by what the Holy Spirit has done in our life by convicting us of our sin and of a need of a Savior and of a coming judgment. And once we're born again, then we can uh, start that life, that journey of following Christ to not only learn His words, but then, as the Great Commission says, after they're baptized, to teach them to obey everything that Christ has commanded us. But until they are touched by the power and the grace of God through the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter what all commandments they learn or whatever uh, they do to make themselves a better person. God has not sent Christ as a reformation project, but as a transformational life by following him. And we do that by being born again. One of the verses I learned very early in, in life uh, as I got back into church and even before I went into ministry is that great verse that talks about the grace of God in Ephesians chapter two. And Apostle Paul was writing to the church that he had great affection for uh, the Christians in the city of Ephesus, and he said, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And of course, uh, that word grace is connected to the word gift, and grace is a gift. Grace is what God gives to us, And the acronym for grace means God's riches at Christ's expense. And so when we receive that gift, God giving us what we do not deserve, That's how we, by faith, receive that. And then we are transformed from being dead in our trespasses to becoming alive in Christ. But then verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2 goes on to show that it's not just all about salvation. There's also the sanctification that comes in our life so that our life, by the things we think the words we say and the actions and deeds that we do all bring glory to God because Paul writes for us about that, that uh, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So once we're saved, it isn't that we just kick back, and say, "Whoo, I'm going to heaven when I die no once we're saved out of love and appreciation what god has done for us through jesus christ giving us that which we do not deserve that we begin to live a life that honors him that glorifies him that brings attention to him that really makes his name renowned that people see the things we do because we love the lord jesus christ that's what grace is all about But the other side of that coin, and grace is like a coin, and one side of that coin is grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, God giving us what we do not deserve. The other side of that coin is God's mercy. And when you read the letter to Titus that Paul wrote, it says, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. And that, of course, was Christ who appeared, and he saved us, but it was from the heart of God. And he saved us not by works of righteousness that we have done. I mean, we can't earn God's favor by keeping commandments or uh, doing good things or being a good person. All those are just going to end up being short of the uh, glory of God. It's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but it's according to his mercy. Now, mercy... Similar to grace, but it's not the same thing. It's two sides of a coin, they're not interchangeable. Grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. Mercy is God withholding from us what we do deserve. And what we deserve because of our sin is judgment and death. And because of his mercy, he's withholding from us what we deserve. And he does that through the washing and the regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit working in our life. So it's the Holy Spirit who quickens our lives to make us become followers of Christ, but it's the Holy Spirit that continues to work in our life through the Word of God, uh, planted in our hearts to transform us into becoming more like Christ. And we live every day on this earth, whether we live to be uh, 10 days after we accept Christ or 10 days, Uh, months or ten years or a hundred years. Every day should be lived to becoming more like Christ in everything we do. But all this happens, not because of who we are, but because who God is. And that attribute of God, the mercy of God, is what spurred all this on. That even gives us a chance of being reconciled or restored into a right relationship with God. And the mercy of God is an attribute of god you see god's grace is about his riches that are in heaven but god's mercy is not something that god has that he gives away the mercy of god is who he is and i've studied about the uh, attributes of god from writings of aw tozer and over the last uh, year my wife and i've been doing a morning devotion book uh, that is from the writings of A.W. Tozer and just this month, uh, the mercy of God, the attribute of God has become kind of the theme of what we're studying through the month of September. And I just wanna share with you a few things that A.W. Tozer wrote about the mercy of God so we understand what this attribute of God is all about. And he talks about how God is a merciful God and mercy is an attribute of God. It is something God is It's not something that God has. If mercy was something that God has, God might lose it. It might diminish or cease to be. But it is a facet of God's unitary being, much like a diamond has many uh, shining facets all around. It is one diamond and there are a thousand facets catching rays of the sun and flashing them in a hundred thousand directions. Therefore, God is one and all one. And one facet of God's character is his mercy. And mercy, A.W. Tozer writes, according to the Old Testament, means to stoop in kindness to an inferior. Mercy is to have pity upon and to be actively compassionate. The mercy of God is not a passive thing. It's not like, you know, a lot of people have an idea of God the Father being like that eternal grandfather in the sky and that uh, he treats all of us like his grandchildren and it doesn't matter what we do, that that grandfather just loves us and will continue on. God's mercy is not a passive thing. It's a very compassionate thing that God has for us uh, as his uh, children. It's a very active thing and God is compassionate in his mercy toward us, and it's actively compassionate. He doesn't just sweep our sins under the carpet. He has dealt with our sins, and he did that with the death of Christ on the cross so that his mercy could be extended to us, and God could withhold from us what we deserve because Christ died on the cross for us. And Tozer also continues on about the mercy of God. If you ever think there was a time in the past that God was more merciful than he is today, you are absolutely wrong. God's mercy does not change. Although it flows from the heart of God, it has no beginning and no end. It is absolutely pure in every regard. And he goes on to say that if Christ were to die on the cross 100 times, that would not make God any more merciful than he is right now. And he would never be less merciful than he is right now. Nothing that occurs can increase, diminish, or alter the quality of God's mercy. As a matter of fact, he writes this, The cross did not increase. The mercy of God. Remember, God's mercy did not begin at Calvary. The mercy of God led to Calvary. It was because God is merciful that Christ died on the cross. So, as you're listening to this today, I just want to be very direct with you. Uh, You may be listening to this, and you may already be a faithful, devoted follower of Christ, and if you are, I praise God for that, but I challenge you to allow that mercy and that grace to wash you and and to push you further into learning the words and obeying the words of Jesus Christ. And if you're listening to this today and you've not yet come to that commitment to following Christ, then I would ask you to carefully consider who Jesus Christ is. As I was in seminary, one of the classes that I took that meant the most to me was a a whole semester in studying the Gospel of John. And our professor, Dr. Mac Roark, was one of the best Bible teachers I ever sat under. And we had 16 weeks of uh, three hours a, uh, a week to go through the Gospel of John. And it was on Monday, so it was three hours every Monday. And he took three weeks nine hours to talk about the first 18 verses of the Gospel of John. That's right. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 18, he talked about it for nine hours. And being the redneck guy that I was, I was thinking, well, if he keeps at this pace, we may get to John 3.16 by the time the semester is over. But he spent that much time, nine hours on those 18 verses, because... Although we know that as the prologue to the Gospel of John, he talked about the importance of those 18 verses, and every theological truth that is found in the rest of the 21 chapters of the Gospel are born right there in those 18 verses. And of course, one of the things that a lot of people know about those first 18 verses is uh, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, it said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. And when he talked about that, of course, verse 14 is talking about when Jesus Christ as God condescended, left heaven and came to this earth, mankind could look upon God himself because Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. We looked upon him and we saw him. And he said this this one line, he said, Jesus Christ is the articulation of the thought of the mind of God. So Jesus Christ is the expression of God's love toward us in flesh and blood so that you and I, who are sinful flesh and blood, we could never begin to behold God in his glory. But God left that glory. Jesus Christ gave all of that up and came to earth so that we could see who God is. And I challenge you to think about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin according to the Gospels. And that means he wasn't born with a sinful nature like you and I are born in this world. As we talked about that in the three circles, how Adam and Eve sinned and the rest of us as human beings, we're all born in that sin and we know that something's missing in our life because Jesus was born of a virgin. He didn't have an earthly father like we do. So he was born without that sinful nature. He was born by the miracle of the Holy Spirit coming upon uh, Mary who had never had uh, any kind of relations with a man and became... Came pregnant with God's Son, Jesus Christ. So he is born of a virgin. He's not only born of a virgin, but he lived that sinless life. Uh, he lived 33 years without ever saying a wrong word or having a wrong thought or doing a wrong deed. He lived his life pure before God. And you have to believe that he was not only born of a virgin, but he lived a sinless life. Because if you don't believe that, then his death on the cross would have been for his sin. But because he lived without sin, then his sacrifice on the cross can be the substitute for us so that God can, in his mercy, withhold from us the judgment that's due to us. Because, as Isaiah said, God laid upon him the iniquities of us all. And when he laid upon him, he took out the full wrath of the payment uh, of the price for sin upon Jesus Christ so that we could be forgiven. And Jesus literally and physically died on that cross. He willingly walked into Jerusalem and offered Himself for the sacrifice of our sins and He died on that cross. He didn't just pass out and then was buried in the tomb and in the coolness and dampness of that tomb He was uh, came to life again and was restored and He came out of the tomb. No, He was fully dead. Believe you me, those Roman soldiers, they knew down to a fine art what it was to crucify somebody. They knew when somebody was dead. They would not allow anybody as a prisoner to escape the cross. Jesus Christ physically died on that cross and was buried in that tomb. And on the third day, the Bible tells us that God raised him from the dead. And this goes back to what Paul writes to us in the book of Romans in chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you understand the life of Christ and the ministry of Christ and the sacrifice of Christ and the resurrection of Christ as God's truth, This isn't a story. This isn't a fable or a fairy tale. This is history. This is his story. This is God's story. And God literally raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And when you believe that in your heart, then Paul writes us, you will be saved. He doesn't say you may be saved, you can be saved. It doesn't say you believe this and then you go and follow uh, certain rules and regulations for the rest of your life and God may accept you into heaven. If you confess Jesus Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's almost like a mathematical equation to balance that out because the next verse Paul says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you're listening to this podcast today and you've not yet fully made that commitment, if you believe these things in your heart, then what is it that's keeping you from bowing your knee and using your tongue to submit and surrender your life to Jesus Christ as the Lord. Some people in America think they have to give up too much and they think, well, after I've lived my life and done the things that I want to do, then I'll make that commitment. Be careful with that. That's like playing Russian roulette with a loaded gun. You don't want to do that because Paul also writes to us in 2 Corinthians. He says, today is the acceptable time for salvation. Today is the day to be saved. If you believe this in your heart, don't tarry anymore bow that knee to Christ, confess Him as Lord, then stand up and realize that the Holy Spirit has just performed a miracle in your life. You who were dead in your trespasses has been made alive in Christ, and through faith in Christ you have received God's grace, and you now have the mercy of God extended to you, not only for this earth, but for all eternity. And when you make that commitment, I challenge you, pick up your Bible, read the Word of God, Read what Jesus says, and then be obedient to the things that he tells you to do. And if you're willing to do that, I would make this challenge. Go and tell two people that you have just confessed Jesus as Lord. And I hope and pray that that challenge will be there. And if it's true, then the Holy Spirit will take it from your ears and in your mind that you're thinking about into your heart and change your life for all eternity appreciate you tuning in today. Again, take the time, if you would, to rate and review us. Or if you have any questions about this podcast or any comments that you want to make, I've already started receiving a few of them. You can email me at mike at risen, and that's R-I-Z-E-N dot church. And I'd be happy to respond to you with your questions or comments. Thank you for listening and may God bless you and have a great day.